0: The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Today FM. It all happens here. Today FM. Also on last night's programme, we were talking about... Attacks and antisocial behaviour on public transport and a shocking story emerging today, a young man from southwest Dublin who went on social media showing photos of how he had been badly beaten in an assault going home on a bus, a night bus on Saturday evening, a victim of a suspected homophobic attack. Uh, raising further questions as to whether there's need for further transport security and as to the safety for people at all hours on our buses and our trains and on the Lewis and the Dart. Uh, Something I think we'll be back to again. But when it comes to uh, bad behaviour and physical assaults and attacks, it would seem that our hospitals is a place where, or places where this happens on a regular basis. Indeed, a new report today more than 12 health service staff a day been subjected to physical, verbal or even sexual assaults. We have a couple of guests with us. I'm going to start with John McCambley, who is the CIP2 sector organiser for nursing and midwifery. Uh, what's your experience of what's happening, John?
1: Uh, thank you for having us on the show. Um, I, I think for myself and my colleagues, um, it's a, it's a weekly occurrence where we're getting calls in, in relation to um, assaults taking place on our members, be it nurses or midwives or healthcare assistants or paramedics or a, a range of other grades across the, the, uh, the, the health service. Um, it's certainly increased over the last number of years. It's, it, there's always been um, issues with assaults and uh, antisocial behaviour within the health services. But uh, certainly the uh, um, the the overcrowding, that the fact that uh, staffing uh, is down, has contributed to maybe frustrations. So but that's uh, unfortunately that has been taken out on, on, on you know health service workers who are trying to carry out their work uh, and. Uh, On on top of that, I think one of the the more crucial things is how these things are dealt with after they happen, that it's bad enough that they happen. It's the after effects, the fact that our members are left financially disadvantaged because they're out sick, the fact that any sort of um, uh, methods and uh, and changes that have to be put in place to stop these things um, take months, um, if if ever, to be put in place. Um, And that's the after effects. I think it's... um, it's certainly um, within the gift of HSE and other health service employers to try to act more quickly in dealing with these things because they are certainly getting worse. And uh, it is a difficult environment as it is that having uh, these awful uh, offence happen to health service workers.
0: Edward Matthews, as Deputy General Secretary of the INMO, this must be very stressful for your members.
2: Yes, these occurrences in work cause significant difficulty for nurses and midwives. And some of what has happened have been life-changing attacks and career-ending attacks. And it causes significant stress for nurses and midwives in the course of their work. The values of care, compassion and respect underpin what nurses and midwives do every day. And people go to hospital and health services for treatment and to recover. But they should be safe places to work as well. And there must be a zero tolerance approach to this. We passed a specific law some years ago to criminalize an assault on a health service as worker or member of staff. And yet we don't see the range of assaults and the numbers of assaults being matched with prosecution. And these matters must be vigorously pursued. It must be understood that the healthcare environment is a safe place to be treated and it's a safe place to work. And there has to be prosecutions of people who cannot order themselves, extremely rarely. And it's incredibly difficult to get the health services to take this matter up seriously with on Garda Ocana and other authorities. And we also see a very lax approach to health and safety as well. In response, it's reported today to these figures being released. The HSE's comment appears to have been, well, the numbers may not be representative of the range of harm that's taking place. Instead, they should be saying this is something we take seriously. It must be a safe place to work. And that approach to health and safety has to look at work systems it has to look at the level of overcrowding that's in our hospitals we've seen massive progress in for example agriculture construction uh, manufacturing and it's about time that we took a real look at the health and safety of workers in our health service to ensure that we create environments that are conducive to expert care but they're also conducive to safety for the staff who are working in the services.
0: Okay but what can be done as well? I mean, for example, if you have people who are abusive because they are drunk or under the influence of drugs, should they be taken to separate areas rather than mixing with other patients and creating trouble for healthcare staff?
2: Well, there are a range of things that you can look at in a particular environment. But one of the challenges with that particular suggestion is there's a finite number of space and there's a finite number of staff and everyone has to be cared for. And while the consumption of alcohol and or drugs may be a causative factor, it's never an excuse for what occurs. And people must order themselves appropriately and not engage in what is, quite frankly, immoral and criminal behaviour towards people who are trying to provide care to them. So there are safety measures you can take relating to security, relating to personal alarms, the organisation of the work environment. All of those can be considered within the bounds of the available space and the available staff complement. But what is required is focused attention on this, both from the point of view of making sure people understand from a public perspective that it's totally unacceptable and carries criminal consequences, but also from an employment perspective. Uh, For example, it's not an excuse, but the overcrowding and the delays in care are causing some of this, and we need to look at that and eradicated, quite frankly. We're looking at levels of overcrowding in our emergency departments that are 40% this month in August above the 2020 figures. The July figures were three times the level of 2020. And it's going to get worse, not better, unless sustained action is taken.
0: John, we're hearing there yet again of more tough laws being in place which are never actually acted upon. Very few prosecutions. What about security in at the hospitals. Are there private security involved? Is there a need for that? We've been talking, for example, about the need for a transport police. Do we need a special, dedicated guardie who are spending their time monitoring what goes on in our emergency departments?
1: Well, certainly, and, and there is a mixture of both private and uh, directly employed security uh, within the hospitals. Some are uh, represented by uh, SIP2. And, um, look, they face the same challenges in relation to staffing levels, support, uh, and certainly we would encourage HSE uh, and health employers to improve staffing levels within security. But support is also needed because, um, again, it's, uh, I'll come back to what I've alluded to there, is it, the, yeah. you know, the outcomes of these um, uh, horrific sort of uh, incidents uh, and very unpleasant incidents that happen to staff um, ac- across the health service. Um, there, there's a, a sort of lackadaisy attitude into trying to put in measures to, uh, to To try to resolve these things or uh, protect staff um, and certainly uh, I know the unions have fought very hard in relation to making sure that uh, any measures uh, that can be put in place are put in place, but they, those can take months and uh, you know investigations in relation to trying to find measures to, to alleviate these things are, are not uh, are, are not sort of the fast track. And that's where the difficulty lies. And at the time, you know, while this is all taking place, there are members who, um, you know, uh, some of which suffer, you know, uh, terrible sort of injuries, are out. They're, they're, you know, financially, they're they're at a disadvantage because of it. Uh, And there's a lack of sort of uh, will there to sort of deal with these things, even in terms of, I would certainly argue, the numbers are far higher than the official figures, because there's been a lot of instances, we've sort of argued, where, you know, uh, incident forms haven't been filled out, uh, reports haven't been yeah. made.
0: I mean, tired members of staff have enough on their plate in trying to deal with patients without form filling as well, probably.
1: Well, yeah, well, there's a lot of forms to fill out in relation to that, just to even to make sure that you're properly paid, that, that these are reported. But there's also a lack of understanding and knowledge, and there needs to be training put in place for for uh, for managers in relation to making sure that they know that if these incidents happen what needs to be done what uh, you know in terms of supporting um, the, uh, the the staff members. But in terms of staffing, and uh, look, we have alluded to there, that is a huge problem in all the grades across the health service in relation to where we have people in vulnerable positions okay. where they're alone working. And uh, and that needs to be resolved as well.
0: Thank you very much, John McCamley of CIP2, Edward Matthews of the INMO. Uh, there's a listener who says, well, as paramedics, we go to calls on our own as a single pre-hospital care provider. We can walk into situations where we never know what we're walking into, into houses, down laneways, fields, canals, abandoned buildings, just to state a few and we can sometimes be left waiting for a long time for assistance to arrive and help us. And Brian in Dublin says, as a junior doctor, I was advised by a senior colleague either not to wear a tie or to wear a clip-on tie to avoid the risk of strangulation. I thought he was joking until I saw their eyes The Last Word with Matt Cooper Weekdays from 4.30 Today